I spent last Saturday night um, doing one of the things that I most like to do in all the world, and that is to sit uh, around the campfire with some friends, enjoying a bit of crack together. Must have been a good evening, a clear evening, because I remember looking up through the trees at the, the sky and I saw the, the stars. There it was, the, the plough. Now, despite enjoying looking at the stars, I have to confess, the plough is still the only consolation that I can recognize. Is anybody here any good at consolations? I need some help with, with this. I, I probably just need to get that up on my phone and sit and do all that. Sat there and saw the, the plough in the, the sky. It's just, for me anyway, one of the most beautiful things uh, to look at. Uh, stars in an inky indigo sky. Doesn't matter how dark it is. In, in fact, the darker the better, and they, they shine. Darkness is a perfect canvas for them to shine their light. I mentioned the stars in a dark sky because Paul uses this arresting image to describe his friends, the believers in Philippi, in the passage we're looking at this morning. Look at verse 15 again. You shine like stars in the universe, he says to them. And if you zoom out and have a look at the context, verse 14, he says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Paul believes that the believers in Philippi could be as beautiful as stars in a night sky. Actually, come to think of it, I think that Tots video that we just watched bears out uh, a little of what Paul's talking about here. That TOTS team is full of stars. Whenever, whenever people were asked why they come to TOTS, they talked about the, the incredible welcome they received. They talked about a team of people there who loved them and honored them for their work with children. I, I was quite intrigued to hear that word, to be honored. Alison, if you remember, one of the, the mums shared her experience of longing for community, longing for a place of transformation. And I know because I, I spoke to her at Mothers and Toddlers or Tots a few weeks ago about this. She thinks that she's found the things that she's looking for first of all on Thursday mornings, and because she's seen them there in the lives of that team, she then wants to come and to have a look on a Sunday to see what all that stuff about church and Jesus that she walked out on years ago, what that's all about, and whether she needs another look. I was chatting this week to a member of our congregation and I caught another glimpse of a star in a sky. In the sky, um, this person was sharing how they had been going through a, a stressful time at work uh, and working quite closely during that stressful time with another colleague. So they'd both been sharing this stress over a period of time. Well, this colleague had obviously been watching this member of Kirkpatrick closely because. Just, just recently, after a prolonged period of, of this interaction, of this stress, 
they, they asked our church member, how is it that you handle this? How is it that you cope with this? How do you manage to have peace in this very stressful environment in which we're finding ourselves? And our member, after pausing for a moment, wondering whether he could, did. He spoke about God. He said, I found help for this kind of stressful stuff in a series um, of things that we're studying together in our church on a Sunday morning. We're looking at a letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to some friends in Philippi. We're seeing that even though his circumstances are awful, he's able to live with great, great joy. And he's finding his joy in Jesus. That's what he said. A member of this church. He said church, Bible, and Jesus all in one sentence. It's amazing, isn't it? This in a hard-as-can-be secular Belfast workplace. Here's my point. You don't get to be asked the questions about living with peace in a stressful environment. And you don't get to be asked questions about faith and life when, when you don't shine. But when you do, you just never know. Now, I need to slam the brakes on a wee bit here in case you're misunderstanding me. I'm not saying that all people who follow Jesus Christ shine. Uh, I'm not saying that all members of Kirkpatrick Memorial are wonderfully uh, honoring Jesus all the time. We're not. I'm not. I know that. We're not perfect. Not one of us. At best we could say, you know that, that idea that we're a work in progress? At best we can say that because actually that's, that's the case and it's always going to be the case. We are a work in progress. That's what Paul tells us. Verses 12 to 13. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work in progress. Work out your salvation. This phrase gets people a wee bit uptight. You can see that when you read the commentaries. People don't really know or they want to be careful. If we're not careful, we could come away from this thinking that the Christians need to work hard to earn their salvation. It's the kind of thinking, in Ulster we always have very everyday phrases for deep theological ideas. You know the, the idea, sure we all know that God helps those who help themselves. That phrase, that's not what Paul's saying here. That's not what this text says, and there's nowhere in the Bible that will teach that about salvation. Salvation, says Paul, verse 13, it's God's work from start to finish. It's God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. What Paul wants, though, for these believers in Philippi is for them to work out 
what our salvation means in practice, in everyday life, in my real and everyday life. He's contrasting their responsibility with his responsibility. He's been responsible for them. He's been their pastor. When he was with them, he will have had a very hands-on engagement in their spiritual development, but not now. He can't. So he's saying they need to work out their salvation. They need to stand on their own two feet and find ways to grow in God. Tell me this. Are you growing in God today? This week? This month? In the past year? Any signs of growth? Any steps forward? As I was studying this passage and thinking about this during the week, I was reminded of a comment somebody made uh, a few years ago in the Introduction to Discipleship Groups course that I run. This person simply said, people need to take responsibility for their own spiritual development. Wow. I don't know why I hadn't thought about that very much before. Maybe it's because I'm a pastor. And I think it's my job to teach and to lead and to draw people into greater depth with Christ. I had to think about that. And as I reflected on it, it struck me, I don't think I've ever seen a person grow in Christ who didn't demonstrate an appetite to do it. Who didn't make it a priority. You can have all the spiritual resources in the world. You could be part of the best church with the most profound teaching. You could have all the resources of church history at your disposal. But if you're not interested, you don't grow. If you haven't made it a priority to work out your salvation, to grow in Christ, I don't think we'll shine, we'll become those stars that we're talking about here today. One last thing about this growing in God, this working out your salvation, would be stuffed if any of this depended in any way on us. Look at verse 13 again. It is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purposes. Reminds me of chapter 1 verse 6 where Paul's already said he's confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul's not worried at all about these Philippian Christians coming through in the end, about them maturing and growing, because he's entrusted them to God and he knows that God's a finisher. You know those personality types that you study and one of them's a, there's the visionary people who start things and never finish them and then there's the, the finisher, the one who gets the job done. Well, God is the ultimate finisher. When he starts a work in me, He finishes it. Let's 
Let's zoom out. We've been quite tight to those verses for a few minutes. So far in this series of studies in Philippians, we've seen Paul finding joy in in three places that we've drawn attention to. In the opening verses of chapter 1, he finds his joy in gospel partnerships. That's all the, the thanksgiving prayer there about his friends in Philippi. In the remaining verses of chapter 1, we discover him finding joy in promoting Jesus. Lock me up, doesn't matter, as long as I get to preach Jesus or somebody else does, it's all good. And then last week, we saw Paul finding joy in Christ-like believers. What do we say this morning? What's he finding his joy in? Looking at the stars. He finds his joy in looking at his friends in Philippi. We haven't seen any mention of joy yet, but, but it's there all right. Twice, verses 17 and 18. Paul's speaking as a guy who knows that his life's ebbing away, that it might be coming to an end, but he says, even if I'm poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad And I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. He's sitting in a prison cell in Rome. But he's looking to the sky above Philippi. And he sees the stars. And the sight fills him with joy. There's a a uniqueness to Paul's joy here. I think this is a pastor's joy. He's been encouraging them to work out their salvation, to shine like stars in the universe. And he says all of this, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor in vain. Paul says, I want to know that my life and my work was worthwhile. I want to stand before Jesus and boast about you I want to show him my work, to show him that all my efforts and my life were worthwhile. Jesus will say, come here. And I'll point to a star in the sky. That old, that old gentleman there. He's near the end of his race, but he's he's shine shone for you throughout his life, and look at him. Still going. And that one over there, do you see? She's beautiful, isn't she? That young woman, never sure that her life has amounted to anything much because it seems so ordinary and so everyday, and yet everywhere she goes, she's a beautiful fragrance of Jesus. Paul can't wait to show the fruit of his life's work to Jesus and say, look... Here's what I did. Here's what you used me to do. Brothers and sisters, I know what he's talking about. I've been your pastor here for 12 years. And I've seen, I've known the joy of seeing your lives fill up light up a dark sky. If the Lord chose to take me 
from this place or from this life now, I would go with joy because I've already seen what I need to see. I already know that my life has been worthwhile. Because I get to see your lives light up Ballyhackamore and Belfast and the other places where he puts you. I was with one of our stars this week. I, as you know, I pretty much never use a name if I'm given an illustration from a person's life in the congregation. I'm going to break my own rule today. Um, I'm going to tell you about Robin Furman. Hands up, who knows Robin? Yeah. For those who don't, Robin's one of our older guys, would be in his early to mid-80s. Robin and his wife Betty were twicers, you know, twice at church every week. Back corner, just in front of the sound desk, is where you'd find them. The, the guys who were here early in my ministry might remember Robin. He, he died in church a few times. Do you remember that? He, he did this fainting thing where the first time we thought he'd died. And he, he was fine, he recovered. But he did it two or three more times until they got his medication sorted out. That's Robin. Robin's been admitted to the Ulster Hospital. Since he wasn't able to come to worship, he's been admitted to the Ulster Hospital 25 times in the last two or three years. I was with him this week and with his wife, Betty, at their bedside in the Ulster, and we were chatting. And I had this passage in my mind, and I just thought, my goodness, he shines. Robin has more than anybody reason to be despondent, hard-hearted, angry with God. He's, he's had a nightmare. And there he is, beaming from ear to ear. He loves that this church has come back to life. He loves that people find new faith and grow in their faith here. But if you know Robin, you'll know what he loves most of all. He's prayed all his life for something that's finally starting to happen. China to open up to the Christian gospel. China becoming in his lifetime one of the largest national Christian churches in the world. Robin Furman just shines because he's all about Jesus. A moment ago, uh, we imagined Paul, his time up, standing beside Jesus, pointing out some stars in his sky. Actually, Paul doesn't bother waiting until he goes to see Jesus. He starts doing it in our passage this morning. He write, when he's writing to the believers in Philippi, he points to two of the brightest stars in his sky. Look, he says, verse 19. Look at Timothy. I have nobody like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Paul's drawing attention to Timothy, and he tells us what it is that's great about Timothy, what it is that he so admires. He says, and it, it couldn't be simpler, he says, Timothy is all about Jesus. That's it. And in the closing verses of the chapter, he draws attention to another of his co-workers. He says, guys, look over here. Epaphroditus. You sent them here to care for me. 
He's worked with me. He's fought with me. He's been a star. You've probably heard that he's seriously ill. Well, well he was. He nearly died. He's risked his life for the gospel. Whenever I send him home, would you roll out the red carpet and welcome him because he's a star? When you look at what he says, actually, about Timothy and Epaphroditus together, I think he's talking about humility. He's talking about courage. And it's hard not to be drawn back to the passage we looked at last week. These guys look a lot like Jesus. The Jesus that Paul described in verses 6 to 8. They're doing the thing that, that Paul had called the believers in Philippi and every believer who follows Jesus to do. Verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. They've learned to imitate Jesus. That's why they shine. That's our star quality. It's the Christ thing in us. We're nearly done. But we'd have missed something that I don't want you to miss if if we left it there. The key to it all. Look again at that part where Paul is talking about the Philippians shining like stars. Verse 15. He says, you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. What's he talking about? Well, the word of life is the message of Jesus. Jesus is the life. He said of himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus came into the world to bring dead people life. People like me and like you. Without Jesus, we're living some quick kind of a half-life. Destined for a, a, a death. He came to give us new birth into a new life. What he called life to the full. Where there's Jesus, there's life. No Jesus, no life. Do you see the wee footnote there at verse 16, letter C? The translators can't quite make up their mind what Paul's saying here. Is Paul encouraging the Philippians to hold out the word of life or to hold on to the word of life? I don't think it matters because I can see Paul saying both. Like any wise pastor, Paul would encourage his people to hold on to the word of life, this message about Jesus. Remember how you were first saved. Continue to dwell on that sacrificial love of Jesus as he died on the cross for you. Work out now your salvation. Work it into the depths of your heart, into every sinew of your being, into every corner and moment of your life. But we can easily imagine Paul saying to the other, the other thing too, encouraging the believers in Philippi to hold out this word of life to everyone you meet. Whenever they see you shining like stars, whenever they ask you about it, 
point them to Jesus. Whenever they come to your TOTS group and they find a warm welcome there and they find that it's a place where people are honored and that they find some of the character that they long for in their own lives, make sure you tell them where where the motivation and the power to live this way comes from. Tell them about Jesus. Hold out the word of life. Whenever your colleagues see you refusing to gossip in your workplace, even though that's absolutely the norm, whenever they see you acting with integrity when when corruption is the currency, whenever they see a quiet, confident peace, whenever everyone else around is stressed, then tell them about the church and the Bible. But tell them about Jesus. Hold out the word of life. I hope you've been encouraged by this old pastor's words coming to us this morning as God's word to us. Might be in a Roman cell. My life might be hanging by the balance. But still, I'm longing to see you guys work out your salvation. Shine. Shine like stars. Shine brighter than you think you know how. Hold out the word of truth. Point everyone you meet to Jesus. He's the true star. He's the star at the center of it all, the sun at the center of our solar system around whom our lives revolve and theirs must. Point them to Jesus. Do that, says Paul, and you'll bring me joy. The joy. Couldn't begin to describe it. Let me pray. Lord, the further we go with this book of Philippians, the the more different issues Paul raises and talks about, the simpler and clearer it all becomes. He's all about you. He's all about you, Jesus, having glory in the lives of your people and in the lives of people who don't yet know you. Lord, would you enter our cluttered hearts, those idol-making factories that we, we run. Would you clear them out? And would you give us a desire to see Jesus? More of Jesus in our lives, more of Jesus in our church, more of Jesus in our community and our city and the world. Lord, if you did that for us, I'm sure we'd find the joy. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.